we immediately stood up an emergency operations group to make sure that we can continue delivering energy to the American people. Because as you know, if you had a million ventilators out there, if there's no electricity, they don't run. Our buzzwords when we got on every call, and I still remind people, is patience and flexibility. As we entered maximum telework, we needed to remind ourselves to be patient. We do our job, kind of that day-to-day grind, and you say, am I making a difference? And this event and what we've learned is, yeah, you know what? We do make a difference, and we make a difference every day. Federal IT has earned the status of lifesaver in the COVID-19 pandemic for its ability to deliver vital services to citizens in a time of crisis. Maritalk is chronicling those successes, along with lessons for the future as agencies turn to the next generation of service improvements. Welcome to the Maritalk podcast series, CIO Crossroads, Federal IT in the COVID Crisis. In this edition, we examine the Department of Energy four months into the fray. For an agency that traces its roots, in part to the World War II Manhattan Project, it's no surprise that mission is paramount. What is less obvious about the Department of Energy is the vast scope of its work that touches the lives of every American and holds the keys to technology advancements that can improve the lives of every future generation. In an exclusive interview with Maritalk, Department of Energy CIO Rocky Campion takes us through one of those missions that could not fail proper functioning of the U.S. power grid during the pandemic. He credits several years of work by his predecessors that laid the foundation for remote work, quick expansion of VPN and cloud capacity, and the rapid repurposing of laptops as keys in the department shift from 10% telework to more than 80% without so much as the lights flickering. At the same time, the department's work on big data-driven cybersecurity improvement has continued while the agency is providing supercomputing resources for the new COVID-19 high-performance computing consortium that is the muscle behind coronavirus vaccine and treatment development. So thanks for joining us, Rocky. Can you provide some metrics to illustrate the success of your work during the pandemic? Something that ties to Energy's mission? What's the story in the last three months by the numbers? Before the pandemic, we would have approximately, you know, at any one time, we might have 10% of our folks coming in remotely. And that was due to telework, which could be working from home or just being on travel. We had over 80% of our people, especially here at headquarters, teleworking. And you might say, why not 100%? And that has to do with some of the mission and some of what we need to do here at the Department of Energy really does not lend itself well to telework. In, In effect, I like to say everybody that could telework to do their job was teleworking. And even in places, and one of the lessons we learned was even in places involving national security, there were ways that we could have those individuals telework because they went to shift work. You didn't want 100% of your people in a secure location at one time because if someone got COVID, you knocked out your whole workforce. Anecdotally, what they were saying is they got so much more done from home than they typically would in their environment because they were on unclassified systems that allowed them to get a lot of, there was a lot of day-to-day work that they can do on the unclassified side. They could just run through during the week that they were working remotely from home. 
How much work did it take to get to that 80% telework mark? A lot of that revolved around, I call it the good work. My predecessor, you know, Max Everett was the CIO and the then deputy, but now secretary, had a major emphasis on improving business operations over the last three years. And some of that is, you know, I'll tell you personally, I never thought of a COVID environment, but it was how do we make sure people can telework for a coop environment? So over the last three years, they had spent a lot of time in the, the CIO's office here at headquarters and our IT organizations across the department developing systems that could allow for remote work. The target at the time was about 30%. So you'll notice I said, hey, we had over 80%. How do you go from 30 to 80? And that's what I would have would call the late January to mid-March sprint. We have a pool of laptops that we use for travel. So the, the IT organization, our IT operations organization, took that pool of laptops and immediately started handing them out to make sure people could work from home. You know, we had the infrastructure in place that we could rapidly expand from a VPN perspective. You know, we, we use a, a Cisco product. We put out between laptops that had been ordered or had come in for other refresh or for travel laptops, we enabled another thousand users to use laptops. Looking at the mission of energy and how it applies to this pandemic, any thoughts in terms of what your role was as an agency? So one of our primary mission essential functions is to monitor the grid and make sure that electricity flows in the United States. That is a paraphrase. So we call it PMEF3, and that's led by our Office of Electricity, our seizure organization that has the ESF-12 function, the emergency support function 12. They go out and help after a hurricane bring electricity back up. And then our four PMAs, our uh, power marketing administrations, they provide about 11% of the electricity across the country from a bulk transmission perspective. We immediately stood up an emergency operations group for PMEF3 to make sure that we can continue delivering energy to the American people. Because as you know, it's great that if you had a million ventilators out there, if there's no electricity, they don't run. You can have all the doctors in the world sitting in a hospital. If there's no electricity, they don't run. So we take seriously our commitment to the American people to make sure that that electricity flows, whether through our PMAs or that the rest of the grid is up and running. Bruce Walker is the assistant secretary there. He worked very closely with industry to help make sure that they would receive supplies to help understand how to best run their operations so that the control centers that manage the electricity on the grid could stay up and running. When we went into this, those were our priorities, PMEF 1, 2, and 3. And if we had an extra laptop, that's where it went first, that type of thing. That's how we would prioritize how we impacted the American people that they may never know was really how do we make sure that we keep electricity running across the country so that first responders could respond. During this period, and we are continuing to do it, we are moving oil into the strategic petroleum reserve. We needed to make sure that the IT was up and running so that we can even handle the oil coming in to the strategic petroleum reserve. The IT organization, that they need help configurations, we made sure we shared information so that they had what they needed to make sure we can continue to carry out kind of the business of government. Could you tell us a couple of your largest priorities and successes during the pandemic? Specifically, what are you proudest of and where were those surprises? I think I'm proudest that we we moved it. And if I told you there wasn't a hiccup, that would be a lie. But pretty seamlessly, we moved into a maximum telework. So I think I'm proud and I'm proud of my organization. I'm proud of all the IT organizations across the department. We allowed our people to be safe, right? Safety here 
involved social distancing and safety here involved making sure that people didn't have to come into the office, ride mass transit, do whatever they needed to do to help the spread. I think I'm also proud of the fact that we kept moving forward on initiatives and priorities. Our big data platform that we use for cybersecurity, we went the full operational capability during this time period. From uh, FATARA, policy and governance people, they still continue to work on what they needed to work on. We undertook during this time period a complete review of all of our cybersecurity and field cybersecurity across the department in order to kind of have an assessment of how are we funding cybersecurity on an IT and OT perspective. We started it, I want to say our first meeting happened before we went to telework. We did every one of those in telework, and we have our findings now, and they'll be incorporated into future budgets. So I'm also very proud of moving BDP to full operational capability, continuing the day-to-day business of the government, continuing to meet our obligations during this time period. Finally, our primary mission essential functions, we're always ready to answer the call if needed. They never went to a non-green status because of an IT issue. Be remiss if I didn't mention during this time, the the secretary and the undersecretary for science led with the government the creation of the High Performance Computing Consortium to help address COVID. So that was stood up during this time. And I think we as department are all proud of that. How do we use the fastest computers in the world that we use for science and national security And how do we devote them to helping to research this issue better? And that was a major feat uh, of the government and and a major focus of the department, uh, especially the Undersecretary for Science, in getting that together. And it started with NASA, DOE, Google, Amazon, and Microsoft and IBM. And forgive me if I left someone out there. but And now it's expanded. It's international in scope. We've got a number of people working on it. Were there any surprises? Yeah, you know, there... There were a couple. I think some surprises that I think we're seeing is how many people have now embraced telework. And this is anecdotal, but, you know, you're on a call. And anytime I'm on a call, I say with anybody in the organization, how's it working for you? What's happening? Can we do better? Are you getting your job done? And it doesn't matter if that's a secretary I'm having a conversation with or one of our contractors, support contractors who's helping us out with something. I ask the question. And I'm surprised at how often they say, you know, I never thought I'd like telework, but this is fantastic. I'm getting so much more done in this process. And and that was surprising. What's been working really well from an IT systems perspective? Do you have any lessons learned from an IT modernization, cloud, cybersecurity, authentication perspective? I'd probably say they're kind of pretty bread and butter, but our VPN capabilities, they just work. It's, uh, again, anecdotally, but I see it every day. It's as if you don't leave the office. If you're logging in with a government-furnished laptop and you're logging in, it's as if you're at your desk. Maybe you don't have the monitor you have, but you have access to everything you need on that laptop because of how you do the VPN. That has absolutely worked the best. And that's that's probably because everything else I look at and say, how can we do it better? Our VTC capabilities have been good, but in the IT supplemental, We specifically asked for funds to how do we make it better, right? Everything else worked well, but there's obviously things that we can improve. And we were very grateful for the support in the building, in the government, and on the Hill, in the supplemental to receive funds that will take good to better. We are rapidly moving forward on on that. What we realized is 
someone with a laptop coming in VPN had a better experience than other means to come in. How we had configured our uh, ability to come in with VDI and other virtual desktop environments worked well, but we have additional funds that we can take it to the next step to have them work even better and increase capabilities. And we're moving forward with that right now too. Our, you know, we call our, you know, VTC, you know, virtual teleconference capabilities have worked well. I think if you go to any of the providers, there have been little hiccups along the way because, you know, the great story is how does WebEx responded? How has Zoom responded? How has Microsoft responded? How have all of those providers of these cloud services responded to meet this demand that they never had before, right? So that's all worked well, but I think we've determined that making sure that everyone using our enterprise architecture capabilities and, and concepts, making sure that everybody in the department is using, has at least one of the same VTC applications to, to make it easier. Again, it's the, did it work well? Yeah, you can call in, you have a conversation, you work, but can we make it even better? Uh, and, and that's some of what we're working on. So how do we continue to standardize? Again, I don't want to standardize on one because now you have a single point of failure, but can everybody have one that we're standardized on? And then maybe we have some diversity on a on an alternative means for connecting. And, and we're working on what that is. We have not made it a final determination on what the one we would standardize on will be, but that was definitely a lesson learned. I'm generally neutral on which one you pick, but hey guys, we have to pick one moving forward. That's a lot of what we're focusing on is how do we take something good and make it better? What has the workforce feedback been? And we did an internal survey where we sent a, a survey just to our federal employees saying, how has the telework environment worked for you? Can you get your job done? You know, what's worked well, what hasn't worked well. And we, we did fairly well on that. Um, you know, if the five was perfect, we were in the four point somethings, but there's a lot of lessons we can learn that can make it even better. And, and the secretary has already directed, we have a, a group called Enterprise Assessments in the department, has already directed that they started the review of what of our lessons learned immediately from the start, the secretary and embraced the concept of let's learn lessons um, going back to, hey, no one will ever be perfect in this world, but you can constantly take pride in solving problems, learning lessons and moving forward, right? What's keeping you up at night when it comes to the magnified cyber vulnerabilities in the pandemic and other emerging threats in the COVID-19 world? <laughs> Everything keeps me up at night. Now, it's, I think what keeps me up, and I won't talk about any specific threat, I'll talk about, you know, cue the patriotic music, the culture of the American people and the culture of people who believe in public service and work in the government is we want to help and we want to be helpful. So, so what keeps me up is that culture can create some vulnerabilities from in a cyber perspective. People who are saying, oh my goodness, I need to help with this. So I need to click on that. It's the, you know, the government employee or the or in our case, the government employee, the MNO contractor, the government family of people who are in this business because we want to do the right thing, taking a shortcut because they think that they're doing the right thing. And that creates a vulnerability. And that keeps me up at night. And, and again, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. You know, the bad guys were out to get us before this started. They're out to get us now. Uh, the former CIO, Tom Pike, kind of one of my mentors, used to say, the bad guys are bad and they're getting badder and the bad guys are always out to get you. 
What do you think is your greatest lesson learned since the pandemic began? And what advice would you give yourself if you could go back three months? I think one of the, the, the lessons learned, and it's one you shouldn't have to learn, but it's always great to relearn it, is prior planning prevents poor performance, right? The hard work and the dedication of the people over the last three years to create the infrastructure that allowed us to go to maximum telework, we weren't doing it for this event, but that it pays off. And it's a great reminder, and I constantly, when I talk to people, remind everyone, we do our job, kind of that day-to-day grind, and you say, am I making a difference? And this event and what we've learned is, yeah, you know what? We do make a difference, and we make a difference every day. And we need to constantly remind ourselves of that because you know, you're in IT and you're constantly solving problems. Technology constantly changes, so the problem you solved and you thought you, you had it worked out is two years later, that's obsolescent. <laughs> you need to kind of you need to solve the problem again. From a very high level, it's that, that we learned is the work you do day to day matters. And you might not understand how it matters when you're doing it, but the fact that you've done it with excellence and the fact that you did it to your best of your ability, when push came to shove, it worked well. And and that's a concept I know our senior leaders constantly when when you talk about one of the things that have been emphasized over the last three years is make the business operations better. And that's not flashy. And that's not, you're not putting out a press release on that. And, and that emphasis on that matters. We all know it, but it was a great to kind of relearn it again. What advice would I have given myself three months ago is be calm, have more confidence in, in the, the, the work that you've done over the last two or three years. Understand you're not going to have all the answers. Our buzzwords when we got on every call, and I still remind people, is patience and flexibility. As we entered maximum telework, we needed to remind ourselves to be patient. Things may not work exactly how we expected them. We can't over-communicate. The more you communicate with your team, the better off. That, that would be kind of the answer there. How would you grade the intergovernmental collaboration and cooperation during the pandemic? So I am in the Suzette Kent fan club. The leadership that she provided especially moving into this, of having regular calls, even before we went to maximum telework, organizing regular calls so that agencies can say, hey, how are you preparing? How are you preparing? I know in one case, one agency tested something and determined that if they tweaked a firewall setting, they'd get better performance. And then they shared that out with other agencies so that those agencies could benefit from it. And that was a direct result of Suzette having these all CIO calls daily on a regular basis to say, what are you learning? I'm sure six months from now, when we're out of this, someone will be able to turn around and say, you know, but if we had just done this, and I call, call them the, the, the V8 moments. I don't remember the old commercial where the guy goes, I could have had a, a V8, but the coordination and the effort they put forward to try to coordinate really was done well. And if someone has an issue with how they did it, I would say it's because they didn't participate, right? Rocky, can you tell us from a personal standpoint a little about your days in the first weeks of this crisis and how they've changed since then? Do you feel like you're fully entrenched at this point in whatever that new normal is? And what does that look like? <laughs> you know, this, uh, it's not a HIPAA violation because I'm saying it. I had the flu the first two days. So I was coordinating the entire move in a bed with a 100-degree fever <laughs> you know, you know, day one when you had hunting fever, do you have COVID? Do you have don't have COVID? The re- I'm quarantined in my room and I'm working remote, trying to make sure. All right, how are we doing here? How are we doing there? 
I'm on this call for coordination. And yeah, luckily I got in and I was tested positive for the flu. So I knew I had the flu. So when you talk about my first two days, I'll tell you what, I'm glad I had a great team around me. I was my principal deputy, Mark Neidinger, uh, really helped out along with Brian Long, who runs our op. Everyone really stepped up. I held a, it was 4.45 at night or in the afternoon, depending on where you are, with all of our IT leaders on the federal side across the complex. We do them once a week now because there's really nothing to talk about. And, and it's almost funny because it's, hey, is there anything to share? Nope, everything's working. Okay, great. Let me know, you know what's going on. Now it's, it's almost even morphed into the, hey, since we're all talking about this, make sure we're getting FY22 budget prep ready. <laughs> it's even, we're now not even talking about what I call our maximum telework response. Do you have any stories from these past months that might be interesting to share? The compelling real world stories, the, the closest one would be what I would call the, the one individual who said, I'll, you know, this is not a direct quote. He'll drag me out of my office kicking and screaming. He did not say that, but that, that kind of concept too. This is awesome. How can I keep this? Right. And I think that's compelling. I think it's compelling that we as an organization identified we can work in a secure fashion wherever we need to be. You know, there are other things, you know, it's funny. I haven't even talked about it. And it's, it's something I'm also proud of and it's somewhat compelling. How we care for each other as individuals and our coworkers. The people that would call just to say, hey, how you doing? Literally from the secretary on down. It's funny, two weeks into the maximum telework, we had scheduled a all-hands meeting. And that's for our feds and contractors, you know, basically five or 600 people across the complex all over the country. And the secretary called in and just said three or four simple sentences. One, the number one priority is health and safety of the people at the Department of Energy. And he wanted to make sure they heard it from him. And the second one is, I think the term he uses, we are the backbone that allows everybody to be safe. And he said, thank you to the organization. It was great for everyone to hear from our leadership that the work they do is important, but more importantly, that the most important thing is the health and safety of our folks. So along those lines, do you have any shout outs for folks at your team at Energy or across the government? Brian Long and our operations division. Thank you. <laughs> I don't say that enough. The, the work that they've done over the last three years and the work they did going into maximum telework really allowed everybody to be safe. There's a gentleman, Mike Montoya, who's kind of the CIO for Western Area Power, the leadership that he showed out at WAPA, but even all of the folks at, at the PMAs in how to operate and continue operations to give make sure American people had bulk power. I'd have to give him a shout out. I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to the secretary for immediately, and it's on our website and everything else, for immediately saying the health and well-being of our people is the number one priority. Because if you don't have that, we can't get our mission done. Director Fall, the director of the Office of Science, who really led the coordination of the department's COVID response, it has been fantastic to be able to work with him, even when he's picking up the phone to tell me how I could improve <laughs> yeah, or, or what information we needed five minutes ago that I'm still trying to get. We've had a gentleman, Ron Austin and Sherry Davenport, that worked for me on the acquisition side uh, in our acquisitions, our chief procurement officer, John Basista, in her government. You know, she's at Kent and her leadership and organization and what she's done to make sure we were all talking. We also had from an intergovernment. I think I called out Renee Wynn earlier. I know she's retired now, but she was an active participant in those early calls of sharing information. 
One final question. Given that there won't be in-person conferences for the foreseeable future, and thinking about that need for collaboration, what do you think will be helpful for you in terms of staying in touch with the vendor community? It's something I've missed, that ability just to share ideas. I have attended a couple called webinars. It's, it's actually funny. Because I'm not running around between meetings and there's some other things, I've actually had a little bit more time just to be a participant on a couple, hey, we want to talk about zero trust. And I'm like, I want to learn about zero trust. I want to learn more. I'll go on and, and listen silently for kind of a, a half hour, hour, and, and just kind of do that type of thing. There are things, again, there's been two or three run around zero trust, one around kind of digital transformation with a couple others that I've just enjoyed going in and attending and listening and hearing about what other people are doing and how they're rolling something out. One was on TIC 3.0, which is another area I'm I'm particularly interested in. You know, it's tougher to have something like that that's directly related to how DOE is doing something. Sometimes I'm more interested, how is somebody else doing something that I think I have a problem with or I'm interested in? That's a long-winded way of saying we're going to be doing virtual teleconferences. We're going to be doing virtual events and our partner community should be working through the organizations that provide those services around the government. Today, we've been talking with Department of Energy CIO Rocky Campion. Rocky, thanks for giving us a view from inside the department during the pandemic. We appreciate the time. I appreciate the opportunity to kind of tell the story because I think we've got a, a pretty good story here at DOE. And thank you, listeners, for joining Meritalk's podcast series, CIO Crossroads, Federal IT in the COVID Crisis. We hope you'll continue to join us as we take a look at Federal IT's reaction to the crisis, the challenges faced along the way, and, ultimately, the success stories that have kept America rolling.